I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. David Janovic. Uh, look, sometimes uh, the KSL 5 investigative team, um, I think that they, they should be cops and prosecutors because they have done more <laughs> to reveal uh, what is going on behind the scenes in our system, what I call Utah's system of injustice, the injustice system that we've been running in the state of Utah for years, than a lot of police departments and prosecuting agencies have done. And we're going to dive into day two of this story involves one suspect, multiple police departments that weren't doing anything with these cases that these women were reporting. And now we're going to take it to the next level. What do prosecutors do about it, David? When we're talking about victims of sexual assault, this is already an incredibly difficult, vulnerable, agonizing thing for victims to even come forward on. And when they see a pattern of uh, uh, of inaction, uh, would you not feel helpless and absolutely just devastated yeah. if if your if your attacker goes free yeah. or you never get a call back yeah. from the police department like what you guys were uncovering and talking to us about yesterday? Uh, this report aired last night at ten. You can see it. Uh, on KSLTV.com, Daniela Rivera, the KSL5 investigative reporter, po- reporter, <laughs> Kira. They're from Boston. <laughs> Kira Barrymont, the investigative producer uh, on this story. Uh, okay, uh, I, I never know which one of you to start with because, you know, the, this is team is a hand-in-glove thing where you're just working side-by-side side all the time. Um, but but let's – so first of all, let's just back up. Dave wasn't here yesterday. He might not have heard all of these details, but let's just back up, spend 30 seconds kind of – Kira, let's start with you – refreshing. This case starts with one guy yep. um, and, and multiple police departments. Yep, five police departments. We're, we're across three counties the last 10, almost 11 years. Twelve women who have gone to police. Only two cases have ever led to charges. And there were uh, assault charges, Sexual right? assault charges. Or, or claims of yep. sexual assault. Yes. Okay, and then, Daniela, um, we find that you found, I don't want to take credit for your work, but we <laughs> KSL finds <laughs> that um, these cases, in many many cases, just had to end up in a file somewhere in, these, in the police department, and then these victims are never contacted uh, again. They don't know what happens to their case, and it turns out in some cases nothing at all, right? Absolutely. They feel dismissed. They feel discouraged. And then you have other people from the outside looking in and saying, well, why would I go report what happened to me? Because all these other women did, and nothing happened for them. 
this individual specifically, you, you said, had been charged twice, accused a dozen times, but charged twice. What happened with those charges? So when he was a juvenile, he was charged with rape of a child under 14. He pled that down to sexual battery. And then in 2021, he was charged in two counties with a sex crime with against a 16-year-old. He's 26 at that time. And those cases were both pled down as well. Uh, Daniela, take us, uh, walk us through when you start talking to prosecutors um, about these cases and other sexual assault cases and the prosecution of these those types of cases in the state of Utah. What do you find? Well, they tell us first, these are tough, tough cases to investigate and to prove. Um, even harder than homicides, right? Because you have this human element. You have someone who's experienced trauma. And sometimes we don't behave and act the way you would expect after we've been through trauma. So that's something that they have to find a way to work around. But there was a very common phrase we heard over and over and over that seems to be impacting these cases. The he said, she said Absolutely. phrases. Uh, now you spoke to experts outside of police departments who say this is kind of a this is a bunch of garbage is that a good way to put it okay let's listen there's a common phrase used to describe cases like vanessa's this was a he said she said case he said she said cases are extremely rare so the four worst words i ever hear in a row are he said she said somebody knows there is evidence there. Justin Boardman, a retired SVU detective, and Donna Kelly are on a mission to dispel rape myths and spread awareness about trauma and how these tough cases can be proven. One of those myths is this whole he said, she said concept. What it usually means is we haven't looked hard enough. Okay, let's continue with this. Haven't looked hard enough, haven't investigated it hard enough. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The solution is, is it... Well, how do police departments respond to that when you challenge them and say, well, have you looked hard enough? You know, I, I think it's a, a very difficult thing to be investigating. So I want to I want to say I don't think there's anyone who's not trying or doesn't care. Um, what we are hearing over and over is that there is lack of education and lack of training about trauma and what to even be looking for. So that prosecutor, Donna Kelly, told us something that she always would ask detectives to go back is go talk to the person that this survivor first told about their experience. Talk to the people close to them. How did their life change? And she said that goes a long way with juries because they're thinking, well, if I were raised, that would significantly impact my life. She says we have to be collecting that evidence. 
And she also said that there's even cases when police don't think a crime was committed. I want to listen. I want to listen to her uh, say this. I have filed cases before where the police didn't think a crime had been committed. And in this one case in particular, I remember the detective sitting with me the whole trial. The third day of the trial, he leaned over to me and he said, he really raped her, didn't he? <laughs> and I said, yeah, he did. They, I think in some, in my experience, uh, having been a reporter and reported on police issues and, and also with the investigative unit, is that I've seen it before where officers have their mind made up. And I don't know if that's what what you found um, along the way. I'm just saying that from my experience that there are cases that are they are can be difficult cases, but sometimes those are prejudiced automatically when the victim sits down and the officer already has their mind made up. Yeah, there's absolutely biases. Um, Kira, how, how does that ahead. happen, though, Deb? I mean, I... I... Are they just not believing the story, or yeah, is there a common thread that. that is coming through uh, that yeah. that causes this yeah. doubt? Uh, we've heard from uh, law enforcement experts who say, you know, this impact of trauma can cause a victim to not remember things in, you know, sequential order, and they'll recall different things at different times. And how police are trained to look for, you know, maybe lying. It could look like that when really that's trauma impacting how this person remembers what happened. So the fact that the timeline may differ. It could be timeline or details or just how they react and explain things can look differently and just not make sense if you don't understand how trauma impacts your brain. Well, well, let's even back up a little bit more to your story from the night before last, uh, Kira, where you had a statement from, I believe it was the Rory Police Department, that apologized in in, in so many words for not uh, following through with one of the uh, assault reports that they received because of turnover within the police department, that it almost had gotten lost in the shuffle of officer turnover. So it could even be that. And that was the police, chief of police's reply, right? I mean, that came from the top. It did. Yeah. They had no idea that this had happened until we reached out. Same with Davis County Sheriff's Office. So you have a situation there where, you know, an officer retires or they go to another police department and they... They don't pass the case on to the next officer. Daniela, what's the follow-up on this? What do you see in the in the days and the weeks ahead? Uh, I know you guys have been working hard on these last couple of stories, but do you see any change in Utah, whether it's in the thought process or how um, these cases are looked at once they get to an officer's desk? You know, I hope so. And I think the more we have these conversations about the realities of trauma, hopefully that understanding will spread. Something else that I wanted to get in quickly is a lot of these cases are delayed reports. And there seems to be um, an idea of, well, it's harder to prove a delayed report. We're hearing from prosecutors that a delay should never impact how a case is investigated. It should always be thoroughly investigated because most reports of sexual assault are delayed. That is the norm. Can I just add one thing? And this is just from, again, from my vantage point from where I'm sitting is I would like to see police departments all over Utah and beyond get on the same page with these cases and it has to be automatic. And it it's maybe it's not sexual assault cases, but domestic violence cases. Um, but there has to be shared information and collaboration among police departments because in the case of the suspect you looked at, Kira, it would seem like he was 
kind of jurisdiction hopping, if yeah. you will. Maybe not intentionally, but that's how this looks. He was he was yep. in, in police reports all over. All over the place. And, you know, across counties, they're not seeing what the other counties are doing. Daniela Rivera, uh, Kira Fairmont, thank you for joining yeah. us. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. So appreciative of your reporting. Look forward to the follow-ups on this. Uh, straight ahead, uh, we're going to talk about an event that's taking place uh, this month because – it's already March. Um, Officer services like haircuts, employment, um, and other amazing services to our homeless population or people experiencing homelessness. Uh, Project Homeless Connect, joining us next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.